We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined, as always, my co-host, Nick Filato. And tonight we are going to continue our draft profile series with a little bit of an unknown. I won't call him an unknown personally, and I'm sure some of you have a good idea of him, but he's kind of been lost in the mix after opting out for the 2020 season, after kind of entering it as supposedly one of the top prospects at his position. And that's Paulson Adebo from Stanford, the cornerback, another cornerback. We've done a lot of cornerbacks. We will continue to do cornerbacks. Me and Nick are both of the belief that the Giants could certainly use another corner on this team to play on the outside. And so let's start there with Adebo. After you dove into his tape, Nick, and I know you did a piece on him for Sports Illustrated for Giants Country, for those of you who want to take a look at that as well, give us an overall assessment of Adebo. Talk about some of his traits, his strengths, and weaknesses. I think Paulson Adebo has quick feet. He's excellent at the catch point with his ball skills. He gets his hand in there to disrupt the catch point. And he's a longer cornerback. And I think when you combine those three things, you can kind of do a lot of different things. Now, I I like him in man coverage. I think he has fluid hips. He's adept at playing man coverage responsibilities. I think he commits his hips a little bit too early sometimes. He's not as disciplined at the line of scrimmage as someone like Asante Samuel Jr. or some of these other top-end corners. I think he falls steps sometimes. He can be had on double moves, which we saw against UCF where he gave up a couple touchdowns. Double moves, receivers running a nine-round, sinks his hips. He sinks down aggressively, goes to the catch point, and then goes right by him. And that's something that I feel like he struggles with. He's overly aggressive. That's probably one reason why he had so much production on the football is because he really knows how to get to that catch point, but he can get caught biting too much. So I think there are definitely things that he could clean up to maximize what he already has as a player. 
but just the ability to play man coverage, the ability to locate the football when it's in the air, the ability to play physical through the receiver and through the catch point while avoiding fouls, and just the fact that he has quick feet and good hips. I think those are all things that the NFL teams are going to see and want to bring in and draft him probably sometime on day two. Yeah, he's an interesting prospect for sure. I think you look at him six foot two, 180 pounds, so he's probably one of the lengthiest. He is the lengthiest corner we've profiled so far. Um, I think ultimately he might be better fit for more of a zone-heavy scheme, and that's not bad news for the Giants if they're specifically looking at a player like Paulson Adebo because the Giants ran a lot of zone now. Having said that, as we obviously know and we've alluded to on this podcast before, Patrick Graham wants to run more man coverage. He ran a little bit more man coverage in the end of the season, felt a little more comfortable doing it, ran a little bit more. In Miami, when he was defensive coordinator there for a season, he ran a whole lot of man coverage. So ultimately, I think they're maybe better off getting a different type of corner. I I don't know where what to think of Adebo because he has some great things about him and he has some things about him that make me pause. I'll start with the great things. He's a former wide receiver. And as you mentioned, he has elite ball skills because of it. You're not going to find production like his 24 pass breakups and eight interceptions in just two seasons at Stanford. That's unbelievable type ball production. His skills on in the air on balls are incredible. Again, former receiver. But on the flip side, according to Pro Football Focus, he gave up receptions of 20-plus yards in five straight games in 2019. And remember, he opted out of 2020. Five straight games is unbelievably bad there. And he also had 25 missed tackles on 135 attempts. Those are also numbers that are unbelievably bad. So torched in coverage on a lot of double moves and torched in coverage for big plays. And then at the same time, not a great tackler at all despite his length and size. And so I actually look at him like a guy like this who great ball skills, put turn to production and former receiver. And I start to honestly get a lot of Josh Jackson vibes from him, Nick, because I remember when Josh Jackson came into the draft and he shot up draft boards. He went from an undrafted prospect to selected in, I think he ultimately fell to the second round, but was a projected first round pick because in that final season at Iowa, he had like, what, 12 interceptions, what was it, how many interceptions did he rack up? Eight interceptions in a 13-game span in his final season Iowa. Didn't have a single interception before that in his career, but at eight, and two on the big stage, one pick, multiple pick sixes, and then he gets the NFL, slips a little in the draft of the second round, but early second, 45th overall by the Packers, and he's been terrible for, for Green Bay. He can't find his way onto the field. He's not a good player whatsoever for the Packers, and it reminds me a lot of Josh Jackson's rise a little bit to the top of the cornerback rankings. And I just get scared off of these guys who are long and kind of look like those boundary type guys you want, but at the same time get torched in coverage and can't really tackle that well. And he was the reason, Josh Jackson, that they defeated Ohio State that year because he intercepted JT Barrett like three times. And he had, I think they played Wisconsin in a primetime game, and he had, a, I don't know if it was a pick six, but he had a couple picks in that game too. So Josh Jackson had that meteoric rise. And I remember... A good buddy of, of mine is an Iowa fan, and I asked him about him. I was like, I, I didn't really hear about Josh Jackson up until this season. And my buddy was like, yeah, he's just had an excellent year, and he was really seizing the moment, having these big games in prime time, shot himself up the board, and then you just never really hear about him because they had the kid Desmond King who won the Jim Thorpe Award, I think the year before he was drafted in 2016, and he was on the Chargers. Now I believe he's on the Titans. But anyways, back to Adebo. I see what you're saying, and look, he's actually really aggressive in run support. He comes down, he flies, he's a little bit technically unsound i guess you could say we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Because he'll leave his feet, lead with his head, which isn't always great, but like leave his feet and not just drive through, square up, wrap up. He doesn't really do that as well, but he definitely tries and and brings so much effort to that area. He just needs to clean up on the mechanical part of the tackling. So I can see what you're saying, and I like players like Asante Samuel a little bit more, and I think Adebo probably might fall a little bit farther than than you might imagine just because he did opt out of that 2020 season, but there are some intriguing traits here that are going to be hard to ignore. Yeah, he definitely has the traits. Let's talk a little bit about where he might fall, where you might be comfortable with the Giants targeting, but before we do that, Let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so I wonder if for Paulson Adebo, a prospect like him, not having a combine, a traditional combine, might actually help him because I think that he might not test all that well straight line. Now, having said that, if the Giants were to target him, one, where would you be comfortable taking a player like Adebo? And then two... Talk a little bit about how you think he would fit in in the Patrick Graham defense and with the current roster at the cornerback position. I think Jerome Henderson would really help teach this kid how to be more disciplined with his hips, how to tackle in a balanced manner. I think this coaching staff on the defensive side of the football and Joe Judge put such a high precedent on attention to detail that I think someone like Paulson Adebo can come in and he can execute man coverage for you. I know a lot of people think he's just going to be limited to his own scheme. I think he is athletic enough and has the hips and the feet to play man coverage in a, in the NFL. I think the reasons why he had deficiencies in that area was more of a product of him being overly aggressive and overly eager and not being disciplined. You like discipline with those double moves, really, really just committing himself and kind of being out of position. I don't think it's necessarily as much of an athletic issue. Now, I, I kind of agree. I don't think he would run a a 4-3 or anything like that, but it's kind of funny because I know teammates of his come out and say that he's going to test like a freak. I didn't necessarily see that on tape. I think he's a fluid athlete. I do, but I don't necessarily see somebody who's going to jump out of the gym per se. Granted, I'll give him this though. His lower body explosiveness is pretty good because you can see when he clicks and closes downhill, he has that certain burst and he plays 
he, and he has that explosiveness to play through the catch point and kind of like jump through his freaking hips, if you know what I'm saying, just with short area quickness and explosiveness. I, I do see that. So maybe from the, the jumping portions of the combine, he would do well, but I'm not sure about his long speed either. And I think he could ultimately improve his draft spot during the interview process. This is a guy who ended up going to Stanford because it was his dream school. He turned, he decommitted from Notre Dame. He committed to Notre Dame and immediately got an offer from Stanford and decommitted. It's his dream school. He's somebody who Tom Fitzgerald uh, quoted coaches. And this is Tom Fitzgerald from the San Francisco Chronicle. And this is also per PFF. He quoted coaches and players from August in 2018. So this was just before his breakout 2019 that praised his work ethic and his smarts. And he could end ultimately be one of those players who can make it in the NFL and could improve because of his work ethic and because he can be a clever player. Remember, when Richard Sherman came into the NFL, a bigger cornerback, got beat on some double moves, didn't necessarily look like he was going to be excellent in man coverage, ultimately crafted a career for himself because he became an expert in Pete Carroll's cover three, and he basically became an expert at playing the position of cornerback. He's a really smart, savvy player on the outside. And so I'm not comparing the two. Obviously, they both went to Stanford, but the fact of the matter is he could ultimately be a player who wins the Giants over because he is you know, that type of player, that guy who they believe can work hard at it and has natural smarts to become a better player. He played all but, what was it? I think it was all but five snaps on the boundary. So he's clearly, if he is drafted by the Giants, going to be competing with Julian Love types and the Isaac Yidem types to be the boundary starter. So ultimately, where would you feel comfortable taking a player like Adebo? I mean, I honestly think he could end up going in the second round late in the second round but I would be comfortable in the third round for the Giants I wouldn't even be overly opposed in the second round and I know PFF has him as a fifth round grade according to their draft chart but I see a player that's better than the fifth round especially because of the tools that we've already kind of went over here on the podcast I actually mocked him in the second round of a big blue view mock draft that I did so the mock draft, I actually had the Giants going with Aziz Ojolari from Georgia at 11, and then I went with Paulson Adebo at 43, and then with the third-round pick, I went with Tylen Wallace, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma State. Yeah, Wallace is interesting. I think if he ends up coming a potential Giants pick, it's going to be interesting because I feel like they kind of have a little bit of what he is already on the roster with Sterling Shepard, but I do like him a lot. I actually think Wallace is... a has a more vertical game than he does have a really vertical game too and i guess shepherd i feel like shepherd can get vertical too though people don't like give him credit for it but i guess you know it's the proof is in the pudding he hasn't had too much success with it when you watch him on tape it feels like he does get separation when he put when he runs vertical routes i would definitely agree with that i mean it's evident in that minnesota game two years ago in 2019 when he i think it was the kid who ended up going to the Bengals. his name's escaping me right now mm, yeah he, i know he, what you're the talking cornerback about cornerback who ended up going to the Bengals. he put him in a spin cycle with this route <laughs> and daniel jones just missed because the protection in front of him just collapsed what else is new <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i, I paulson adebo in the second round i you know i would be happier with other picks there like but the way the mock draft ended up kind of going all the corners that i was hoping to get and all the wide receivers i was hoping to get they were all gone by that point in that specific mock draft on the Draft Network's website. Like I would rather have Asante Samuel there, despite the fact that he's a little bit smaller, but I think his man coverage skills is superior, and I just think he's a better football player than Paulson Adebo as of right now. But again, we didn't get to see this guy in 2020. We don't really know what he was doing. He probably, given his character, was working really, really hard at his craft, but it's hard to know just because he opted out for his own personal reasons, which obviously not begrudging him at all, but just didn't. we haven't seen tape on him since 2019. 
Yeah, I think for me, I would shy away big time of Paulson and Debo in the top 45 or at 42 or where, where we pick. I would be okay with taking him in the third round if he falls, but I get, I, like I said, I really get big time Josh Jackson vibes from this type of player, this type of prospect, and I, I'd rather the guy like we just did Samuel, and it's like we've done Horn too. You watch those guys; they they really feel like different kind of players. I think in coverage, they just look more like corners. They look more ready, in my opinion, to compete with some of the NFL players in coverage. I can just foresee already like Adebo in coverage for the Giants and some busts from him in man. Um, I don't know. I just I don't get a good vibe from him from what I've seen and from what I've read. So. I'd be a little against it, but again, once you get to the third round, you're betting. You can bet on tools, and you, and you're not taking as big of a risk on a player when you're betting on tools. I think that 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 far into the draft, once you get kind of outside the top 65, top 70 picks, I think that's fair. To be honest, I I definitely see the tools, and but I, I think it's fair to say that just because there is a relatively unknown, and there are some issues with how he handles things at the line of scrimmage and how he handles routes up the stem and just overall discipline type of issues that need to be cleaned up with Adebo. Yeah, and if you're seeing that when it comes to just the traits and your evaluation of his film, and then it also gets backed up by some of those things, you know, the five straight games of 20-plus yard completions allowed, that's no good, and man. And then, obviously, missing 25 tackles on 135 attempts is unbelievably bad and could really just you you do that at the nfl level joe judge is going to take you off the field joe judge is not going to stand for a cornerback who's missing tackles at a rate like that so just when you kind of factor all of that in for me he seems like more of a risky prospect at least out of the ones we've done but it is intriguing i mean like you said the tools are obviously there and we've seen players before with with great work ethics and who are smart and naturally uh, quick in the head become really good corners because there is a mental aspect to playing the position for sure absolutely Anything else on a Debo that you've got or anything else you want to talk about as far as that position goes? As far as corner, man, we're going to be going over Caleb Farley and Patrick Sertain. Yeah, those are the big boys that we've we've been saving. Yeah, we're going to definitely hit both of them. And I also want to get into a couple other cornerbacks. I did the kid from Syracuse, Melon Fonwu, who I think he's a better football player than his Lin brother. Obi, yeah. yeah, than his brother. So it's actually funny, man. There's a couple brother pairings yeah, it's in really this weird. draft. You have hopefully the kid from UCLA, Osa, is better than Owa Odigizua because there's another Odigizua, which I feel like every Giant fan hears that last name and they cringe because there was so much upside there. But the kid, he fell to the third round because he had all those. Didn't he have a bunch of hip injuries? Yeah, he had one major hip surgery. I love that pick. I thought it was a slam dunk. Yeah, he was explosive. He just, yeah. he just could never put it all together in the NFL. Then he had that weird off-field issue that like, mm, yeah. I didn't want to talk about. It's so odd. But... Yeah, and then you got St. Brown from USC, who I'm actually going to be out on. I already know it. I've been watching a little bit of him, and I read some stuff on him. I'm out. Wherever he's being drafted, there's so many better receivers already that I like more than him. You're not an Amon Ra guy? I'm not an Amon Ra guy. I do not think he's going to be that good of an NFL player, so I'm out there. Did you like The Mummy growing up? <laughs> I never. I don't think I've ever even seen The Mummy. You've never seen The Mummy? Not that good of a movie, I don't oh, think. Oh, I think it's an excellent movie. One, mummy 1 or 2? 1, 1. One, I feel like you say Mummy One's an excellent movie, but you're the same guy who's never seen Casino. No, I know, I know. And, or The Wire. Yeah, I never seen The Wire. Casino, something I've been meaning to. I just haven't found the right night, and I've been saying that for like seven years. <laughs> and then you then <laughs> listen. You're gonna bash me for not seeing The Mummy. You got to get your ass in there and watch Casino. I think that's fair. Um. Anyway. Not This is obviously one of our shorter draft profiles. We're going to have some more of these kind of in the 15, 20, 25-minute range as we move forward. There's going to be Giants news as well. We don't have any questions right now, but we do have a review from Nick Dye. And I don't know if this was 
on purpose that you put Nick space die D I E. Maybe you're telling Nick to die. I hope not if, because he gave us a five star. So it seems, seems unlikely, but he says, I love the podcast. One of the best football podcasts out there. Question. Would you guys consider doing a seven round mock? So good news, Nick, we will be doing at least one seven round mock. We'll do it on the podcast. I believe Nick will probably as somebody who writes for big blue view, he's probably going to do one for big blue view. I'm actually probably going to end up doing one for CBS sports as well. I like doing those seven round giant mocks. Uh, did one last year. I'll do one again and we'll do one on the podcast. At least one. We'll probably have one. I think we might have multiple ones. We'll probably have one at the end of this month one after free agency when things change and then one as we get closer to the draft we'll do a live mock too that we'll record on the podcast and we'll tell everybody like it's like a like it's going really quick we could be like a Chappelle show yeah. bill burr and the other guy like doing the draft yeah like yeah that. we can we can just go through and be like oh crap asante samuel's not there at 43 all right we'll do it live <laughs> we'll do it live if it, we'll do it live yeah We'll do it Bill O'Reilly style. We'll do it live. But yeah, so look forward to that. We'll definitely be having some mocks. And anyone else who's listening to the podcast, just let us know what else, you, what kind of content you want to hear outside of the draft profiles as we move forward. Do you guys like the mailbags? Do we want to do another mailbag? Anything you got an ideas for, throw them our way. We'll definitely listen. We'll definitely take them into consideration. We still are 30 reviews and ratings away on iTunes from 500. Thank you to those who have contributed to the reviews on iTunes. But please, if you haven't already, head over to iTunes. Download iTunes if you don't have it. Subscribe to the Big Blue Banter Podcast. Make sure you hit download on every single podcast. That's the biggest thing. And then hit that rating button. Give us a five-star. Write a little review. If you have anything you want to tell us, you can write it there. If you have a question you want answered on the podcast, write it there. I vainly check this religiously. I'm willing and to admit that I can't wait for us to get that 500 mark. We're so close. We're at 470 ratings. 30 more to go. Help us get there. 500. Um, otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.